Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. One, two, three, four. Thanks for listening to this podcast produced by Diddy TV. Visit DiddyTV.com for more exclusive on-demand content or download the official Diddy TV app from your app store today. Hey, welcome to Insights, everyone, where today Amy Wright chats with acclaimed Canadian singer-songwriter Jeremy Albino about his upcoming EP release, Passed On. Passed On was produced by Michael Trent of renowned Americana rock band Shovels and Rope. And Jeremy is on tour now with Shovels and Rope on the East Coast, so be sure to check out his tour dates and get to his show. Albino has expanded the boundaries of Americana, folk, and country with his signature brand of soulful storytelling and kinetic performance. With releases like Hard Time and Blue Blue Blue, the past few years have been nonstop for one of the most exciting need-to-know artists out there. We're thrilled to have finally connected with them and to share that conversation with you right now, right here on Insights. Jeremy, welcome to Diddy TV. Hey, thanks so much for having me. It's nice where, to be here. Yeah, well, where are you these days? Uh, for the most part, right now, I'm, I'm home. and I'm in the city right now. I'm in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. and uh, But I'm heading on the road soon, so I'm excited for that. <laughs> are you excited to be back out? Probably took a break for the last couple of years almost. Yeah, yeah, there was like little spats here and there, but this this kind of finally feels like it's uh, more of a, all, all my friends who are musicians and I, uh, who are kind of just starting back up now, they're feeling, it feels like a real tour coming up, you know? So did you grow up in Toronto or outside of Toronto? Uh, I spent most of my like childhood in like the suburbs of Toronto, in a place called Scarborough. Um, until I was like in my late teens, I, I moved out to another place called uh, Prince Edward County, just a couple hours from Toronto. And uh, so I kind of, it's a bit of both. Um, yeah. So were your parents musicians? Did they play an instrument or were they into music? Uh, definitely, my, my folks love music. I learned to play the guitar from my dad. I wouldn't say they're musicians. I I kind of my dad was like had a huge passion for just records and music and um and my mom came from a really musical family, but she never really like showed it. Like she she used to have a guitar when I was young and she used to sing, but I think that's where I from my mom's side I got like she's French Canadian and has like these like folk roots where like all her uncles and like aunts would 
just play like folk, French folk Canadian music, just play the fiddle, the accordion, and just dance and play everything by ear. And I think that's definitely where I got my, my musical ear. Um, cause my dad doesn't quite have the musical ear, but he has the love. <laughs> um, and yeah, my dad's from, my dad's from the Philippines. He just like loved like a lot of old disco and, and, uh, just anything. I, all my music that I kind of grew up on came from my dad and from like James Taylor to like Harry Belafonte to, to all like the Motown hits and yeah. So did he, did he buy you the guitar or did you say, dad, I want a guitar? Were you using his guitar? Cause it was. In yeah, the we, it's funny. I, uh, he, he did buy me my, my, my first guitar. Uh, one, like what really got us all started. We had this old, my mom's old classical guitar, but we never really touched it. And uh, a friend of ours, when I was probably 12 or 13, a friend of ours had passed away and gave us, they, they ended up giving us their guitar. And we, we, my sister and I really got into it and eventually started just fighting over this one guitar. And then I guess, cause I was the older one. And you won out. <laughs> my, my dad was like, I'll get you a guitar. You seem like you want to learn to play music. And I, remember, I still remember the day going into like a local music store and, and picking it out. We, we were so amazed by the musician just being able to, or like the guy working there being able to tune the guitar without just by ear. We were just like, wow. <laughs> Is the store still there? The music store that you got your guitar from? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there's this one spot. It was, it's like a kind of a famous old music shop called Steve's Music here in Toronto. Um, just like downtown, I guess my, my dad had heard about it being a, a spot that musicians would go. So he kind of brought, brought me out there and, uh, yeah. Yeah. My parents have been like forever been my probably biggest supports and champions in, in my music career. So it's, uh, I guess sometimes whenever I'm Whenever I, it's funny, sometimes whenever I'm like up on stage and my parents are in the crowd and I see them singing along, I just like get so choked up. I'm <laughs> like, dad, no. <laughs> uh, just thinking about those like from the start, you know, that kind of Well, it's pretty special when you have that kind of support from your parents. Not everybody yeah. does. No. And um, so did, when did you start performing? Were you still a kid when you started performing or was that later? Um. I guess I started performing when I was pretty young. Like my, I don't know, my nickname when I was a kid, my uncle used to call me Broadway because I was like always. Hello. Putting on a, yeah, putting on a show, I guess. I didn't quite get it when I was young. I was like, what does that mean? Like, I didn't know where Broadway was. <laughs> but uh, I guess it's always been in our, I don't know, my sister turned out to become, she became an actress. My brother was in the arts and we were all like, became like artists and performers in our own way. And, but yeah, it, I, I just always loved, I was pretty like, all of us are really shy, but there's a certain point where we like really enjoyed um, performing, I think. And it just like, you kind of like switch and you just like let it, you can be this other version of yourself that usually when you're just a shy kid, you don't really want it talk to anyone or perform but 
eventually I guess I got over that. I love music and and I guess the support of family was always just like, play us a song, play us a song. And I'd be like, all right. All right. <laughs> and eventually I'd, I'd kind of, I'd play like town shows when I was kids. And, but it wasn't until like later on in life when I kind of moved from home, I'd like start started playing in open mics and and people started digging what I was doing. I was like, maybe I should keep going. And I don't know, one thing led to another and I'm still, I guess a lot of musicians probably started up open mics, but. For sure. Uh, and yeah. was it performing that really gave you the bug to be a professional musician? Um, or was it the writing? I mean, everyone comes at it from a different direction. Yeah, I think it was probably a bit of like the music. I, 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 it took me a long time to learn to really write. I was, I always thought of myself like not able to, I wasn't really a confident writer and I, I would just play a lot of covers and I, I just loved music. So I, and I loved playing instruments. So I, I play the fiddle, the banjo, the piano. And, and it was just a big part of it was just being able to play these instruments and playing these songs that I've always loved and, and learning kind of just like soaking up as much music as I could. And then eventually performing became like a thing that I really did enjoy doing. Like it's, it is probably, yeah, it's pretty close. Just making music, not, not in general, I guess writing, writing is a really different part for me, I feel like, but just making music and performing, I think is probably the, biggest draw and the I think the connection is probably one of the biggest things just like when when I was younger I, I kind of when I was still shy about playing in front of people I, I started kind of like doing a bit of busking like I just go in the park and just play and people would connect I, it felt more comfortable to perform for people that I didn't really know than like my family or, or whoever and I think uh that's when I I just like make these little connections with people that I didn't know and people would enjoy what I was doing. And I still look for that connection all the time. Did you ever play sports? And was there as a kid, you know, as a boy, there are a lot of times you talk to, to people and they say, well, sports was still a big thing for me, even though I was playing guitar or some other yeah. instrument. Yeah. I, I, uh, I was always, I, I never played sports too much. I loved the outdoors and, and, and I had a other like uh, hobbies and, and occupations that could have drawn me more into those things as well. You know, like, I, I, lo I mean, I love playing sports. I played a lot of basketball as a kid and, and uh, ultimate Frisbee, all kinds of stuff, hockey, soccer, all those things. But I was never really that good. But the other things that I did enjoy and was good, I, I was pretty good at building stuff and, and I eventually I started working out on like gardening and working on farms. And that was like one of my, I feel like it kind of like my, my hobby or sport that like, I really got into it. Like I want to, I wanted to learn all about growing garlic and carrots and, and like, and that was a thing that I was like, am I going to do this? Or am I going to, it was like my main goal to just become a farmer. And uh, so how long did you work on a farm? Uh, I worked on farms for like 10 years, about 10 years until I really had to stop <laughs> and, uh, just try to pursue music full time. 
I mean, I still have a big garden back home and, um, but, um, yeah, I don't, I'm still connected with all the farmers. I, I miss it all the time. I feel like if music doesn't work out, there's always that to back, back up on. I always, I always tell It's a pretty myself. good backup. Yeah. <laughs> so did you start writing music when you were, when you were out on the farm and, you know, was that a big muse for you and your songwriting? It was actually, I think it was like a bit of the, like, at the start, like when I really kind of got into music, when I first wrote my first song was like the first time I really got into, it was kind of like these both paths kind of started at the same time where I like, right before I was leaving to work on my first, like I left the city to work on my first farm. I was like, right when I wrote my first song. And I remember like sharing my song with one of my good friends being like, I got this real song. I'm also leaving. I'm like leaving for a while just to go work on farms and stuff. So I don't know, maybe I'll see you later. Hopefully we could still make some music. And uh, yeah, it was kind of like, they kind of like were happening and parallel parallel and growing their own ways uh, slowly and, and kind of, um, but yeah, I think eventually, yeah. So like I, I think I, I, I definitely, once I started, I, I moved out of the city and I like just started working on these really great farms and you're just outdoors and you're, I don't know, it's something about just the beauty of farming and being in nature. It just, it's easy to write songs about that and it's easy to just get inspired in life. I don't know. It's, it's a really, it's a tough job, but I guess at the time I was really, excited about it and I was so keen I, it was one of my it's my favorite it's like my favorite job I've ever had other than being a musician and uh I remember just waking up being so excited just to go to work <laughs> and and Not I think many that people would, have that so that's pretty yeah cool. yeah and I I uh I I think that I don't know I was just learning a lot and that just like good feeling in life I think also just lends out like I'd get home tired I wouldn't write as much as I, I I do now, but it was easy to just like go to my guitar afterwards and just like put my heart out into that once once I was done working and kind of converting what I took into the world into songs, you know? So you're playing open mics and you're playing songs. I'm sure you played some covers too. That's what people do. And then they also yeah. play their own stuff. And when was it that you thought, hey, I could put out an album or an EP with the songs I've written? Uh, did you, were you playing them for people and you saw that people were really responding to them? And what was that like? Yeah, I, uh, I guess there was a lot, like it took a little while, but there was, there was like, I, I started playing these open mics out in this like, rural area where I was farming and there was just like one basically or two open mics that I'd do. One was at a community center and one was at this bar. And uh, I just had like two, one or two songs that I would play that were my own and people seemed to really connect with them. And um, I guess cause farming was, is such a like seasonal work. I, I ended up just uh I was like, maybe I should give this music thing a go. Everyone here seems to like my music. Uh, I took I, one winter. I, I moved back to Toronto and 
started playing all these open mics as many as I could. And I, I ended up meeting a bunch of musicians and writing a couple more songs. And, and uh, through that, I guess I, I didn't really know what to do with my music. I was just like, I just wanted to play shows and I had these songs. I was like, maybe I'll just demo them, make a little EP and, and put them out. And uh, I ended up connecting through a friend, like one of my bandmates at the time was like, you should go record demos with this guy. And this guy ended up being my, my manager, Crispin Day. And he also producer, he's, he's produced a bunch, helped co-produce a bunch of my songs and even helps to write sometimes, or like we, we just write together. He's just like my other half creative uh, director or whatever, collaborator. And uh, yeah, through working with him, he was like, what are you doing, man? You got these songs? I don't know if you should put a, like put in, uh, make an album just yet. Like, I think you need a couple more songs. I think you, we could probably sh like, we got, we could try to find some support for it. We were like, look, he's like, oh, I'll start looking for a label. He hadn't been, he hadn't planned on being a man manager. He was just an engineer at a studio and a producer. And, um, and now he turns out he be he's become an artist management. He's got an artist management company and a label and, um, anyway, through that, through meeting him, I ended up meeting other musicians like uh, my good friend Cat Clyde and meeting the label that I ended up putting my first record out with, uh, which was Cinematic Music Group. And uh, yeah, I, that like I, someone like basically this label reached out and was like, do you want to, I really love your stuff. Do you want to make a record? And I was like, I guess so. Why not? <laughs> Why not? Like if you're if you're if you're offering, I was like, I was funny. There's this one moment that I, I remember this call. I was like, I had moved to the city. I like found this job just being like a bar back at this bar, and um, I was like, I wasn't too. I was like, maybe I'm just gonna move back to the farm. I don't know. This city thing isn't really working for me, and I don't know, just working and and music. I was like, ah, I love it, but. I miss working outside all the time and eating good food. And, um, but anyway, I remember this moment of my manager calling me being like, should we do this? Like, I don't know, nothing. We don't got anything to lose. If anything happened, if nothing, nothing comes of it, you can always just go back to your, your farming. And he was, a, he was a producer and he was like, I can just go back to making records, you know? And we kind of just jumped in and, and ended up making a record. And this partnership has still, lasted to this day. <laughs> so what was the, what is the Toronto music scene like? Is it, is it full of musicians, venues, or, you know, what is that scene like? Yeah, I think, I mean, it is a, it's a great music city. It's the big, uh, of, uh, of Canada, I'd say it's like the, one of the hubs, music hubs and everyone from all over the country, they just move here to try to it's kind of I guess it's kind of like our New York or LA or Nashville or um but it's a great music city I I love it I every musician I know is so talented like it's just it's really a hub for music I'd say and 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 like a community and as and venues everyone's just like kind of championing each other and always trying to I don't know um, just, there's just a lot of support basically, I think. 
Um, what are some of the cool venues that you know of in Toronto? If I'm going to come there and play, yeah, would I play as a musician? Uh, well, there's like this one spot. It's like this is a small club. It's probably I don't know 200 cap or something like that. It's uh, it's called the the Dakota Tavern. It's kind of this like little little basement club that I think everyone in Toronto has played and uh it's just like feels like home anyone who's played there it is like this this is a spot that we all know as well there's like the legendary uh horseshoe tavern where i guess uh everyone's everyone from the stones to to hip-hop to everyone's played there through the years and um but yeah i i i started my my uh open mics at this like place called the painted lady it's probably might not be the most well-known spot in Toronto, but there was that community that really just, I don't think I, I learned so much and I don't think I would be here if it weren't for that kind of push when you're just a young musician to just like play and, and support you and just like, you want to support others and, and just learn about performing and, and making music and writing, you know? You know, Jeremy, I went to Quebec City one time and oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, and there was this great blues club, but it was in kind of what looked like a cave. It was kind of built into the side of the, the hill, the mountain. When you got inside there, there was rock and the whole thing was super cool uh, to, to go kind of experience this, except that I didn't realize they only accepted cash. So, <laughs> <laughs> I, I wonder what that is. I haven't spent much time in, in Quebec City, but... You'll have to check it out next time you're there and and bring your cash. Yeah. 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 Um, Well, what was your first album? What was the, what was the name of your first album? Uh, It was called The Hard Time. And that came out uh, like end of 2019. And yeah, that that was my first record. I had never, I kind of got that opportunity from this label to just like make a record and I, I was at the time I was just like playing a lot of solo sets and music. I was too, I was just like just me and my guitar and um and I was doing a bit of like kick drum one man band kind of thing. I still which I still do nowadays, but um I don't know. There was this uh, I had all these songs that eventually were like maybe we should try to see if we could fit a band to this, and we ended up putting together a band that uh, still plays with me today and um, made this, I think I'm a record that I'm really proud of. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah, I guess it came out. Was that, the first, time, was that yeah. the first time you went out on tour? Yeah, that was, well, oh yeah, I guess that's what I was trying to say. Um, it was the first time I'd like ever played with a band. And <laughs> like right before I went to the studio, I was like, I've never, I didn't, I, first time I'd ever been in a studio to record really. Uh, with a band and it was all like very new and um, kind of scary and um, it all turned out all right. And then after that, we hit the road pretty hard, um, which was, which I had toured a bit before that. So I, I kind of, but it was mostly within Canada. I had done some pretty good little like long trips. Canada's so huge and there's only like a couple cities you got to play. So you end up learning that you end up getting used to really, really long drives. Um, and, uh, 
Yeah, so that was the first time, but that was the first time I'd really done some pretty solid touring with a band. And uh, it was a blast. I, I love it. I think that's like other than performing, I guess touring is performing, but I just love the traveling part of it and, and seeing the world and meeting a lot of other friendly faces, you know. So someone told me that when you're traveling and you're touring, you look for the best taco and seltzer water on the road. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, who told you that? Um, yeah, I do look for that. I don't know. The thing is, I, I yeah, up in up here where I'm from, there aren't really that many good tacos, I guess. And like, there's a lot of there's a lot of other really delicious foods, but I don't know. I just never had the. Uh, I had never really had tacos once before I started traveling. And I was like, Ooh, I do. They're pretty good. Right. And then, uh, the seltzer thing, I don't know. I don't really drink that much. So we just kind of, and kind of just start drinking seltzer and to pass the time and just one, it's just delicious. (laughs) (laughs) So is there an epic taco that you can think of? You're on the road and, and you want to go back to this taco place. Oh yeah. Um, well, I don't know. I think it's delicious. I there's a spot in Nashville called Burritos La Mina. Mm-hmm. It's uh, I don't even where I have I always I've got a bunch of pinned spots on my Google Maps, so I could whenever I'm in whatever city I, I always go back. Um, I need to, I think you need to put that on your website. Yeah, you know, Jeremy's uh, Taco Stands <laughs> suggested tacos recommendation. <laughs> That's actually a really good idea. Um, or like just like in general, just like different food spots that I, I like to go to because uh, it's funny. I, I was just, yeah, last night I, I uh, my friends from St. Paul and the Broken Bones, they're, they're coming through Toronto and uh, we went out for, for drinks and we're just talking about touring and they're heading to Europe sometime, I think maybe. Um, or, and I'm heading to Europe. So I was like, have you guys ever been to this spot in like Cologne, Germany? It's called Kebabland. And after right right away, I just like sent like this like pin for this place. It's like literally one of my favorite kebabs that I've ever had in my life. I don't know. I I just it's just made me speechless when I when I had it. And yeah, and for me, I grew up in like the suburb that I grew up in. There's a lot of like Middle Eastern and and so there's a lot of kebabs and shawarmas. And I was like, I know these. This is I grew up with this stuff. This is like the food that I grew up in my neighborhood with. And then, but when I went there and I had this stuff, I was like, they don't have this back home. This is another level kind of stuff. So it's funny, every, with every band and friends that I, I, that I know who also tour, we're always kind of swapping spots where some good spots to eat, you know? Oh yeah. I'm like that with Indian food. I love Indian food. And when I went to London, had the best Indian food I think I've ever had. Oh, (laughs) nice. I'll have to get off to get uh, some recommendations. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay. So you put out your first album and that went well and you toured and then you put out a second album with Cat Clyde. Yeah. And, and it was called what? Blue, 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 I think. Blue, blue, blue. Yeah. Yeah. And what, um, what's in that name? Cause I thought that was interesting. <laughs> I don't know. We, we kind of toyed with the name for a while. Uh, Cat and I had been like early on, when in my music career, we kind of connected and we realized that we just had a lot of the same 
kind of influences and like we grew up on listening to a lot of the same music just a lot of old folk tunes and blues and um and so once we started like hanging out we just would just play a lot of these tunes together and uh eventually we'd kind of demo them every once in a while and eventually we were like hey we should make a little project together like make a record and um so we recorded all these songs over the time just like every time we'd kind of hang out after tours we'd just like we kind of a couple of songs were just recorded in my kitchen and then they built a studio at their place so we kind of just went and recorded there but the name blue 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 long story uh short i guess uh was i don't know we there were it was me cat clyde and her partner strummer um and the first song that we had ever demoed was just like three mics and there was a three of us and the and at the time strummer's sister had been in london and some guy had like it was late night and they were just like they had been out and this guy was like i think some guy was asking them for change and uh they they gave her they gave him change and and he was something, said something like, how you guys, how's your night? And he's like, oh, you know, just blue, blue, blue. And then that kind of caught in their head. And they're like, we should use that sometime, you know? Um, and that's that's where it came from. It was just like a lot. It just like we were playing a lot of blues tunes. It was kind of some sad songs. There's three of us. There's three mics. This story about blue, blue, blue had come up and we're like, I guess it's got to be that. <laughs> So was it different to collaborate on an album versus a solo album? Uh, yeah, it was definitely different, but it was a lot of fun. I think it, it ended up being pretty uh, kind of, I don't know, it just worked out because we, we both, like we, I said, we came up on a lot of the same stuff, so it just made sense, a lot of it. And a lot of it was just like, we weren't, we just had a lot of fun with it and we kind of tried to keep it as raw as we can and just simple. And, uh, and yeah, it turned out to be really fun. So were you able to tour after that album came out or was that when COVID hit? That was, yeah, we put that out like right after COVID hit. So we, we haven't actually toured it. Um, no, we have, we, we've played a couple shows and played some of the songs from them, but, I don't know if we're ever going to tour it. I, I hope we could one day. We were kind of like looking at it, but sometimes once the moment passes, it's kind of tough. Maybe we'll we'll do like a 10-year anniversary or something like that. <laughs> Re-release. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's funny. It's kind of like nice. I mean, I did. I would have loved it. I think it would have been awesome to tour, but I feel like so many musicians that were putting stuff out through that time was just, it was just like kind of a really stressful time and you didn't you wanted to tour but also it was just such a weird time and i'm kind of part both of us are sometimes are like hey i guess it's fine that we didn't tour it it's kind of like this thing that just happened in that moment a moment in time and, and we put it out and i think a lot of people connected with the record and people always ask us if we're going to tour but now we're already putting out another record so it's like <laughs> and we're just um, going to get to that because actually yeah. you've got a new a new ep coming out and um so it's during it's covid and i know a lot a lot of people have said that um it was 
while it was very stressful, it was also a creative time because it totally. gave you time to really just kind of reflect. You weren't on the road and, you know, a lot of musicians were able to actually do some writing that they hadn't been able to do previously and, you know, spend time and just kind of focus. And so you have a new EP coming out called Passed On, yeah. uh, April 1st, and that's exciting. And tell me a little bit about um, the writing process, because I know that you you were working with uh, a collaborator. You were working with uh, Trent Michael Trent of yeah, uh, Shovels and Rope. Yeah. And tell me a bit, little bit about that collaboration. Yeah. Um, I guess at this, I at the start, like right before the pandemic hit, I had just been on tour with Shovels and Rope. We were we had toured through Europe, and uh, it was like January, February of 2020, and uh, so I just got to know them. I had been I've been fans of Shovel and Rope before, like I even thought of being a musician I, I, before I was really even just right as I had been starting to pick up the guitar it was like when I first heard about them and I had I'd, yeah so I've known them for years so it was really a dream to just hit the road with them and um and I guess once I once we got home and everything kind of shut down I started writing and I didn't quite know what to do how, what I was going to do with this record. I was pretty, like, there were times that I was like, yes, I'm writing all these songs. This is awesome. Like, I'm so excited. And then there were other times, which I feel like everyone went through that, um, that it was just, like, super tumultuous and really hard to figure out exactly what you were going to do. It was just so much uncertainty. And uh, I think... Uh, we had reached out, I, just, I guess it was, the summer had passed and in, in the fall of 2020, we reached out to Michael. I ended up kind of collecting, had, having this collection of songs. And uh, we had we wanted to just go down there and record, but things like didn't really allow us to do that. So we thought we'd try to do it um, through the power of the internet. <laughs> and uh, and so, yeah, we did that. We, I, I just had all these songs. I sent them over to Michael and um, kind of tried to see if there was any songs that connected with him. And um, he, he produced a bunch of their Shovels and Rope records. And uh, so he was pretty, uh, he, he, he was pretty used to just like getting music or just starting to record in his studio. And he's got a home studio. and. Uh, a bunch of their, they also got those like busted jukebox kind of compilations. And so he was used to just getting files, like other people singing or, or whatever, just kind of doing it over the internet already. Um, and uh, yeah, it was really fun. It was just like, I'd, I'd send my tunes over. He'd kind of do something with it. He'd just like kind of would produce something and send it back. And then we'd kind of like rework it and, and uh We'd send it to another friend out in uh, Richmond, Virginia, whose name's Casey Wayne McAllister. He like plays the keys and multi-instrumentalist. So we would just kind of send files here and there and, and kind of build the songs just through as the time kind of passed. And and uh, Michael's really glad to just like have, have a project to kind of, I feel like we all had, we were glad to just have a project to kind of keep our mind off, off of things at that time. Like I, I had 
I had just had a pretty, pretty like stressful summer. My, my family, there was some family health issues and we we're just like, all right, like that kind of passed and we're back at it. We're going to try to work through this. And um, yeah, I had some, a couple of songs that I, I wasn't sure about. I ended up sending to Michael and we ended up just writing it together and just like, I'd send a song and he'd kind of send it back and I'd send it back. And, um, and so, yeah, I'm really like Mike, Michael just like really put a lot of heart into this record. And it felt, it was just like such an honor to have him work on it. And, and just, it was so fun to just write with him because he really understood a lot of these songs where I was kind of had them at and we kind of built them like he took pulled from his experience and and I like these some of these songs were like this song the passed on song passed on the title track of my um EP was I had wrote written it just like my grandma had passed the year before and I was just like trying to I had this idea of like her her husband had passed like when my my dad was a kid I just was like, maybe now, like they're meeting again, you know, or I, I wasn't quite sure like where I was going with the song. And I sent the song to Michael and he like, he he put together some nice, like such beautiful lyrics and pulled from his experiences with with loss and, and, and yearning for the ones he loved, you know? And I don't know, it it was just so, I don't know. I always listen to some of these songs and and when I, whenever I perform them, I just like, we both got it when, when we, what, what the assignment was for a lot of these songs. And it just like felt so natural to just sing them afterwards once we, once we had worked on them. Yeah. Did working with him um, bring a different life to the songs, you think? Um, because you both were putting your own perspective and stamp on them? Totally, yeah. That's uh, yeah, I guess that's what I was kind of trying to say. Yeah, it was like, yeah, because sometimes when you're writing and you're just like, okay, I've got like, this is what I like, you have this idea of what you what you put into it. You're like, this is like the view that I have of it. And then when 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 I'd send it over and we'd kind of start working on it and then he'd kind of put his view of like his experience and like it just kind of widened it all up and painted a really beautiful picture I think and um especially with the writing and and with the musically um just like producing it it was just really it was just cool to just to see like he just put like I've always loved his style and 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 his music and um so it uh yeah it was funny I I when he first sent sent back like one of the early like um i guess kind of demos that he kind of put together i was like oh my gosh this is like classic classic you michael and he's like oh wow i guess so i don't know i didn't realize <laughs> and uh and uh yeah the record just turned out great I, I, i'm really proud of it and i'm i'm excited to to tour some of these songs and, and play 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 them for people and i'm excited for the record to come out and Hear I know it's coming out via Good People Record Company. Yeah. And um, and what was the studio that you recorded it at? Uh, it was called The Cabin. Well, part of it was like at The Cabin 
or and it's kind of all over the city. So uh, my manager has a studio called the Cabin. He also has a studio called Good People Studio. And then Michael recorded a bunch of his uh, all like a bunch of the music like music at his home studio in Charleston. And I know that you 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 put out a video for yeah. the night was young, and you actually went to Vegas to to do the video. And what yeah. was that experience like? Oh, it was a blast. I, 24 I, uh, hours in Vegas, or was it three days in Vegas? How long were you in Vegas? Yeah, we were there. I think we were actually there for three days, yeah. <laughs> um, we uh, we ended up going down because we, we, like, we were like, what are we going to do for these videos? We wanted that energy. We wanted, like, it's a song about just going out. I wrote the song about meeting my girlfriend for the first time and I had how I lost her number and I was like, how am I going to find her? And, and it's a bit of a dramatized version, but it was just like, it's just a really fun kind of ruckus song, especially once Michael started working on it, it just became, yeah, just a fun song. And um, yeah, we were looking for somewhere to have that energy. And uh, at the time it was like, there was a couple of feet of snow out here in Toronto and it, was cold and we were like, I don't know how we're gonna get that vibe from being here in the cold. So we booked a couple flights to to Las Vegas. A friend of mine was, who's done a bunch of my music videos kind of came along and uh, we shot two videos out there. So we did The Night Was Young and uh, another song off that EP called uh, Acre of Land, which I think is coming out with the EP. The video. And the director was Mark Klassen. Is that how you say? Yeah, Mark Klassen. Yeah. Yeah, I was reading yeah. that. Yeah, um, he's a yeah, he's a good pal. He's an amazing videographer and director, and like he's got. I always say he's got the golden eye. He's always like capturing really beautiful stuff, and so it's always a pleasure to work with him. He's done almost all my music videos. So. Well, I wish you the best of luck with this uh, new EP, and hopefully you hit the road. You got to come to Memphis, but before. You go. I have one last question for you, Jeremy. What's yeah. up with the knot tying? <laughs> um, Tell me a little bit know. about your I skills, because I've heard you're a champion knot tire. Yeah, I. Uh, when I grew up, when I was growing up. I, I was a Boy Scout, and I guess when you're a Boy Scout, the, there's a little different things you got to learn. And I really, really got into knot tying. I, I like there was these like knot tying competitions that at the in the uh, troop and I'd always win them and I was just like obsessed with knots I had I've got a, I've got a couple knot books and um and yeah I don't know what it is I I, I just like love the challenge of like tying kind is there of a favorite knot there's a knot called uh the bottle jug sling hitch and it's like this like loop that you could kind of like loop and put it on a water bottle. They used to put them on jugs and it's just like this really beautiful knot that you just kind of like, I don't know how to explain. You kind of just like kind of lay it out and fold it and eventually it just becomes the knot. It's not like some knots you just got to like weave it through and do this thing. And this one's just like, it just becomes, you just kind of flip the ropes over and eventually it becomes this knot. And it's one of my favorite knots. <laughs> Well, uh, next time I go sailing, I'm calling you because I'm going to need 
someone who can actually tie all the knots because I can't do <laughs> yeah, it. So. I'd love to. Yeah, let's do okay. it. <laughs> let's do it. Let's do it. Well, it was great talking with you, Jeremy. Good luck yeah, with everything. Thanks for chatting. Yeah, and we'll talk again soon. Take care. All right. See you. Always dignified, always gracious. That was Canadian singer-songwriter Jeremy Albino stopping by to chat about his upcoming EP, Passed On, available April 1st via Good People Record Company. Respect for Albino and his approach to music, on and off the stage, stretches far and wide. Plus, his humanitarian efforts show a truly compassionate person with a sense of balance and perspective. We're thrilled we finally got to connect with him on the show, and we hope you'll turn your friends on to him. You can visit jeremyalbino.com to find everything you need, including links to socials and his new music. That's jeremyalbino.com. From all of us at Diddy TV, thanks again for tuning in today. And we hope to see you again soon, right here on Insights. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.